0: More people than ever are after university next month in the UK. Why? Because the virus meant students didn't sit exams and teachers gave their assessments, which has inflated numbers. Which raises the question anyway are too many people going to university? Is it helping the economy or is it just keeping unemployment numbers down in the short term? And what should students be studying at university? Are vocational degrees the way forward or not? And is there a halfway house between university and unemployment that doesn't involve fixing someone's leaking pipes for the rest of your life? Lots of questions on this week's Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Join us and see what we think. Well, there was uh, quite a hoo-ha when the A-level results came out in the UK last week because this year, because of COVID, rather than sitting exams, the students have been assessed by teachers. And guess what? They all did rather well. 45% of all entries across the UK have been awarded top grades, an A or an A star. This compares with 25% two years ago, which frankly means the results are as good as hopeless, doesn't it? So does this mean the whole system needs a bit of a revamp? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, well, Gavin Williamson, uh, the education minister in the UK, uh, at least he is when we're, when we're recording this. Um, he's got a plan to, uh, to to make sure that we don't get too many people getting a or a star by replacing the letters with numbers. That should fix the problem. <laughs> in other words, everyone getting a one or a two rather than an a or a star. I kid you not. Uh, that is the, uh, the, what they're thinking about, but Covid aside. Have we got the wrong idea about education? Steve Keen is no fan of the education system, as you know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast. But um, it's the, uh, I mean, part of the problem, I think, is that it's not open to the sort of alternate thinking, the sensible thinking that we espouse on this podcast, and you, you can hear in other outlets. But subject matter aside for the moment, just sheer numbers. Steve, are we educating too many people for too long, Or is more education better for the economy? I mean, conventional thinking says, yes, an educated
1: workforce is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to have a a lot of fun slashing into the British system in particular, which I experienced when I was head of school at Kingston for a few years. Um, But the, the, the point I'll start with is that the way economists think about production and productivity is based on their model of production itself, uh, which for neoclassical economists is what's called the Cobb-Douglas production function. And they uh, see output as being reduced by a combination of technology, labour and capital. And then when they try to weight uh, the different components and say well, what change in output is due to what change in inputs, uh, the two inputs that they put the major Waiting on a technology, first of all, which then they have A, L, and K. So it's A times labour to a power times capital one minus the power. Uh, and the A is supposed to represent what they call total factor productivity. Or when they bundle it up with labour, it's called uh, labour augmenting technical change. And by far the greatest. Um, when they do their statistical analyses, by far the greatest weight in terms of, of uh, where increasing output comes from is increasing the technology term, which is either seen as total factor productivity or labour productivity, and hence there's emphasis on increasing labour productivity. Which would be fine, except, um, except for the that,
0: uh, and, and out of that they're saying, well, okay, if we educate people more, then we're going to get more labour productivity. Is that the
1: argument? Because that's actually not been the case, has it? Yeah, that's that's the argument. And it's a, it's a load of cod swallow because for a range of reasons, but one of, the, one of the simplest ways to see that it's relatively nonsense is that this A term in their production function is seen as reflecting labour productivity. Um, but what the ratio of, la- of output to labour is telling you is effectively how many workers you need to produce that output. Now the output is coming out of machines. So when I look at it, I don't see the uh, the output, the ratio being our output to labor, I see the ratio being the number of machines versus the number of people needed to operate those machines. And as you have technological improvement, um, the it, it, in, in effect, you need a, a lower number of people per machine, more of the workers being mechanized and so on. So the, when you see that increase in the uh, output to labour ratio, what's actually going on is a decrease in the number of workers needed per machine. And the productivity is really occurring in the machinery, not in the workers right.
0: themselves. But but an educated workforce would mean, uh, or an educated population would mean those people, rather than working machines, are there doing the next big thing? And obviously, you need more of an education to try yeah, to Yeah, like figure TikTok. Out. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well okay, TikTok but some good shots. stuff too.
1: Uh, you know, let's not assume that the youth of today non-fungible are just- tokens. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all this, all this stuff is frippery. This, this is. Uh, um, so you think that's what's happening? We're
0: just we're getting educated, and then we're just frivelling it away in 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 time wasting endeavours.
1: Well. I think we're, we're mistaking where the productivity comes from. The productivity comes from developing new technology, which is manifest in the machinery we build. Right, and, but and but and it, the and design
0: of that has come from people who've been educated, presumably.
1: Yeah, but it, but it's not everybody. I mean, you don't have a you don't have you know, like if this forty six percent of the work was it forty six percent of the students got A's. Yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that is just,
0: that, that's a one-off. That is because teachers have been giving the grades, and that obviously they don't want to give bad grades, because it makes them look bad. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, I mean, yeah, it's because I mean, they're, they're not sitting exams, but
1: that, that's and why. And that's, that's, that's the grade inflation that's built in, particularly built into the United Kingdom's mm. education system, and, and laughably so, from my point of view. Yeah. Coming well, I got a BC and a D.
0: I got a BC and a D. I feel really stupid, because no one gets a BC <laughs> and a D these days, but in, when I went okay. to uni, that was quite normal
1: yeah but the the, the, the trouble is the, the improving technology hasn't come from throwing more people at the design phase of, of designing these new machines mm. it's been a, a, a tiny number of people uh, you know and, and again i'll come back to my elon musk fanboy material the people designing the falcon rocket uh, it, it's not because you've got more people working in the office it's because you've got you know truly creative engineers uh, being given free license to design the the most powerful engine Go ever, ahead. but the these uh, engineers. I mean, you. Yeah, but, but 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 when it's put together, I mean, in the manufacturing itself, you actually are de- you end up de-skilling to some large degree the people that actually work those machines. Um, it, it's, it's not that you need an like it, it's not that an educated process worker will turn out more than an uneducated process worker. Um, if if the work involved is actually uh, you know a, a, a physical input by the worker it's that the machine itself is that much more powerful processes energy that's more effectively that's where your increase comes from so to believe you can actually get increased output by having a more educated workforce uh, when you educate them more what you're then talking about and getting involved in is a service industry which uh, you know how do you measure productivity in terms of TikTok uh, episodes or uh, non-fungible tokens produced per person? It's not the stuff that, that, that actually is even measured in GDP. So I think the, the, the emphasis upon increasing labour productivity as the source of increasing GDP is just wrong-headed. It's if you want to do that, then you train up. A, 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 you, you try to find the hyper-intelligent people who can be damn good engineers. You train them up and you pay them well that is far more effective than trying to educate, you know, half the workforce to university standard.
0: Yeah, it's 40% actually. So 40% of all adults in the UK now have a degree. In 2002, it was 25%. In the 80s when I was there, I think it was a, a lot, lot less than that. So you're saying, mm. okay, just uh, make it more elitist, are we saying? You, you've you got to reach a, a higher academic standard to go to university?
1: Yeah, and and like it, it, a lot of... The, I mean, I, I would, I would like to see the, the, in some ways that I think the Germans have still got a better system than the UK. Uh, there is a, a much higher level of respect for technical training in, uh, in Germany. And you, you do have apprenticeships, uh, where people come out highly skilled as, you know, machine tool workers and so on. And, uh, and, and that side of the education has been denigrated in the UK and the Anglo-Saxon countries in general in favor of shoving people in universities. And then as a response to that, uh, because the, the level of the, the number of people going to university has risen so much, uh, to get the same pass rates as before, you simply have to drop the standards. And this now, now because in, in, in a lot of ways, the education system is treated not as a way of being educated, but as a way of being credentialed for future employment. Uh, the pressure is put on the staff to give as high results as possible, and it reaches truly ludicrous situations in the United Kingdom. Uh, and I'm very glad to be out of that system because it just felt like a joke. And I know to a large number of people who are still stuck on that system, they feel like that they're, uh, you know, re- re- they're rewarding, you know, I, I, I have a hard time avoiding abusive terms here but it's throwing more peanuts at the gallery uh, rather than Rather than truly educating, you're people. not being an intellectual snob here, are you? Stuart? Yes, I for, am. Yes, I, I am. <laughs> it certainly sounds that <laughs> way. Look,
0: the reason why people go to university—I mean, some will go there because they feel like they, you know, they want the uh, the intellectual stimulation. A lot will go there because they're not quite sure uh, what to do next, and a chunk of them mm. also because they feel as though—and uh, you know, the, the, the numbers support this—they're more likely to get a job. So, if we look at the uh, mm. the OECD average unemployment for 25 to 64 year olds. So across the whole age working spectrum, uh, it, those with uh, no upper secondary qualifications, in other words, they, they, those who left school mm. at 16, the unemployment rate across the OECD is 9.3%. Those with a tertiary qualification, it's 3.8%. That's a staggering difference. Mm. And In the UK, it's, uh, the difference is between 4.9% for those who left at 16 and 2.1% for those who are graduates. So it does improve your chances of getting a job, which is obviously why people are going to university.
1: Yeah, it, it 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 does. and so whether it's a useful I mean, job or not is what your yeah, that, point. And that's partly the trouble. That uh, that um, I mean, but uh, if it's not a useful you, job, what are they going to do? Just be unemployed, which is no use either. They, or, or because you get so many more people qualifying for each particular profession, then you get a fall in the uh, in the wages on average for that profession, which is increasing income inequality. And ultimately, mm. it ends up being. Not a case of how educated you are but who your father is like i i had my own personal experience of this in a sense in 1971 when i went to sydney university to do a degree in arts arts and law because uh, that happened to be the year that new south wales university opened up its law degree meaning we now had two law courses in one university and then by the time i graduated i think macquarie university had a law course and what it meant was that initially there was such uh, the supply of new lawyers was somewhat less than the demand coming out of the private law firms for for new lawyers. So um, you know, if you did, if you were going to graduate, and that was the supply situation, you were pretty much guaranteed getting a job in a private firm and being paid very well for it. By the end of it, um, the the, way, the thing that guaranteed whether you get a job or not as a graduate was whether your father already worked in the law firm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, in effect, by expanding the opportunity. You actually returned it to the days where it was a, a sinecure uh, for the for the for the sons and daughters of the bourgeoisie. So,
0: yeah, so many so many because people to choose few, from. So, yeah, yeah, you go back. You go back to choosing the connections. Yeah, absolutely. And that's you,
1: partly like it, it, there's actually I find both Peter Peter Turchin's work on this quite fascinating, and he argues that one of the forms of one of the things which leads to social breakdown in, in a society is too many people being produced for elite positions. Now, it uses things like the example of senators in America, where I think there's hundred senators. And, and, uh, when you, back when you had the, you know, a, a, a small number of people in the country, uh, then the number of people competing for those senate positions was relatively small as well. And uh, now you have the population that's got, uh, and, the, and, the, and the political fragmentation, the competition is that much fiercer for that minority of positions. But a similar thing applies in, in, you know, like in, in terms of graduates from law schools looking for jobs in law firms. And the vast majority of graduates from law schools these days are unlikely to be working in a law firm. They might be using their law qualification in some other position in a, in a government bureaucracy or that sort yeah, of thing. or become a politician. That's, re- that's, reduced, that's reduced the pay rate they're getting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or they become uh, tradies. You know, which uh, or you, if you don't go to university, you become a tradey. That seems to be the, you know, the the, the path. And uh, we know there's not enough of those, so they're actually demanding higher salaries than graduates are very often. Hey, this will this will scare you, or maybe it probably won't surprise you. It'll make your eyes roll in the back of your head. But the Mm -hmm. salary benchmarking site, emolument.com, ranked the starting salaries for graduates from 84 UK universities. This is back in 2017. Mm -hmm. Now, you want to know the university that created the highest salary and the degree course which gave people the highest starting salary? Have a guess.
1: I'd be going for um, Oxford and
0: Law. No. London School of Economics. Uh, oh dear. gave you a starting salary of 38000 compared to Huddersfield, which I'm embarrassed to say is where I went, 24000 mm-hmm. uh, And uh, £33,000 was the starting salary for people who studied economics compared to oh 28000 for those who studied an engineering degree or 21000 for those who studied English literature. So basically, if you do eng- e- economics at the London School of Economics, you, you're going to get the best starting salary for a graduate.
1: Oh we're doomed do not we? <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs>
0: but oh dear. but I mean they're obviously getting employed so they're doing it because they know they're getting a job. I guess they're working in uh, in the finance industry which obviously we know is uh, is a behemoth in uh, in the UK.
1: Well, that's where you know, the outrageous, stupid salaries come from. I mean, as I, I think I mentioned the person, one of the people I met very early in the, my time in the UK. Uh, we went from being a finance person to a school teacher because she had enough of the stress in finance, and her pay level was one as a school teacher was one thirtieth what she was getting in finance. So there's there's a huge surplus of people who are you know you get into the the, the ruling class and and end end up getting the you know, shares in the um, the, the profits of the system uh, mm. being paid to them as wages. But for the vast majority, um, uh, you know, the more access, uh, the, the less accessible it is. It ends up being who your parents are. Uh, rather than uh, how educated you are.
0: So take that point. Should we also then be, um, and and I I don't believe it should, but do you think that degrees should be more vocationally based because there's a real shortage around the world for software engineers and software developers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, nurses, doctors, civil engineers. They are the jobs that there's a real shortage of. But the most popular degrees in the UK are business admin, Economics, again, finance and management, mm. international business, marketing, banking and finance, and accounting. It's all the money jobs, uh, but they're not the jobs that there's a shortage of people for. So should we do, do we incentivize people to take uh, courses and become qualified for jobs that are needed?
1: Well, I, I think we need to – I think we've loaded far too much on the university sector itself – um, and, and that's partly one of the problems that we there used to be, certainly in, in, I know in Australia there was, and there was, I think also in the UK, it tended to be a three-tiered system. So you could end up uh, getting trained for technical, clerical, and then university level positions. And then there was big pressure to turn the, the technical and the clerical into being universally equivalent. And, and you eliminated that three tiered structure. And at best you have a, a two tier these days, possibly even a one, it's all shoved into the university. So everybody can say they've got a university degree, but there are some, uh, you know, a lot of schools which uh, it, to, to me, university should be something which is about truly using your intellect, um, having in some sense to be innovative and the, you know, I, I, teaching I, I like you to, to thing,
0: isn't it? They, I mean, yeah. May, yeah maybe, but, may, maybe the subject matter is less important. It's just the fact that you are taught to be critical, which is—I uh, know—that's one of your criticisms. That uh, you're not taught to be critical at university. You're yeah. taught by rote.
1: Yeah, and but, but also there's—I mean. Yes, I'm putting out an elitist case. It should be hard to get into university. Uh, the the range of subjects taught there should be restricted, and it should not be based on on fee payment. The whole idea that you can buy your way into university and therefore you've bought your degree, I've seen that devalue the quality of education dramatically over the last 40 years. Um, so I would rather go. I'd rather have a system where a university is effectively free, but the hurdle to get in there is 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 you know quite high and uh, you don't have great inflation helping you jump the hurdle, mm. uh, but everything that's been done in terms of putting a, a market orientation on it, you get this ludicrous outcome uh, where university lecturers themselves are under pressure to award large numbers of high degrees. So I know that in, in uh, my previous university life, uh, you were actually your staff could be criticised uh, if there was too low a number of students getting high, de- high, high uh, results. Um, so the whole thing uh, ended up, the easiest way to solve that problem is to drop your standards. And I think there's been an enormous drop in the, in the quality of education standards, uh, certainly in the UK. So you've got more people being shown as being educated, but what they're getting is a far lower grade um, of, of, in terms of, of learning uh, than what they got 40 years ago when there was a much smaller number getting through and it was much harder to get in. But I'm
0: sure the economist's argument uh, would be uh, that, you know, because people have, uh, you know, access to uh, perfect information, you wouldn't mm-hmm. take out a student loan for a degree course that wasn't going to give you a higher salary at the end of it or the chance of a higher salary. You just you just wouldn't bother. But people are bothering. So why is that? Because perhaps because of this student.
1: I mean, school students, you're talking eight, 17, 18-year-olds, so, yeah. you know. They uh, haven't done the same what, Yeah, it's, it's look, a- look, I, I, if, if, if I go back for myself when I was like, going through school, um, the positions that I was considering were working. I wanted to be an engineer. Actually, it was my first uh, priority because um, I love the, the mathematics and, and love the modelling involved, uh, but I was pressured for law. And that, and, and if you look, most people were surprised they didn't do medicine because people with high results did medicine. Um, so the, the, you know, I, I never thought I'd ever be an education officer in an overseas aid organisation, which I was for a while, or a conference organizer, or a software designer. Um, so the, the the range of of things that you know, eighteen year olds are aware of, even though there's an, an enormous information out there. Um if you can compare to forty or fifty years ago, their actual horizons are quite limited. And to have them deciding uh, you know what areas they go into, they're all gonna you're gonna get hurting. And that's why I think you get the everybody goes off and does a bloody economics degree, which is a waste of space. Mm. Yeah, could be worse. You could
0: be studying communication studies, uh, which, by yeah. the way, you're you are only going to earn 14000 a year uh, when you come out at the end of that. So so don't bother. So it's interesting. The, the Department of Education, uh, they've, uh, they've basically been tracking employment and earning outcomes of graduates. They've done a longitudinal study. This is from 2016, so the years up to then. Uh, mm. Vocational degrees… Will give you a better chance of a job and a better salary. So, for example, sixty-eight percent of medicine and dentistry graduates had sustained employment. In other words, for uh, for w- one year after they'd uh, graduated, they were you know they kept a job. They had a median median earning of thirty five thousand five hundred a year, which isn't bad for a twenty one year old. Those studying languages. Only forty-five percent were employed, and uh, they were earning just fifteen thousand a year one year after after graduation. So vocational degrees work to that extent, but only if the vocation, if the job, is something that is in demand, obviously,
1: mm, and that people mm. are prepared
0: to pay for. You know, you've got to be smart to do a uh, to do medicine, to do communication studies. Uh, uh, dare I suggest you don't have to be quite so intelligent.
1: Yeah, but again, to me, the, the introduction of fees and student debt and so on has exacerbated the bad side of the of the hurting mm. that occurs with students deciding what to do their education in. Because if you look at, you know, I've got a, like in the UK case, you've got to take what nine thousand pounds per per year yeah. of debt just to simply do any degree um then the pressure is what's the degree that's going to pay the most and then that ends up you know know, economics the bloody london school of economics um, becomes what people aspire to get into um if you if you didn't have the same pressure that they're actually going into debt to get a a future position if the education was was given freely as as it was for a short while in the 60s and 70s um then you wouldn't have the same hurting coming out of it and you might have uh, better prospects for everybody as a result of that Uh, and also education grades you can trust. Whereas, I mean, I just just do not trust, unfortunately. um, What I see is the results of education, particularly in the UK, where grade inflation is just the name of the damn game. So if you're 18 and uh, you don't go to university
0: uh what do you do go and get a job is that what you're saying
1: no i'm not saying that i'm saying we we needed an education system which caters for a range of skills Mm. and and which which teaches the the type of uh, which has a a technical component where the technical is high quality and and deserving of respect which i mean like in the german apprentice system from what i've seen there they really are being trained with state-of-the-art technology and being recruited to the companies which work with that high technology, and you have uh, being as somebody who works gets an apprenticeship out of one of those positions it's it's uh, you know, it, it takes it, it has it confers a status uh, not uh, confers a, a, a low ranked position in the world whereas in the u k those same uh, you know, t- technical qualifications uh, the equipment is adequated. Uh, the com- companies themselves complain they've got to train the students up uh, themselves. It's really a, a, a lot of this we've made exp- education expensive while reducing the resources that are put towards it. And, we and did- that's what I, I found the real jam for my my own experience—I couldn't wait to get out of the UK system after about three years there.
0: And is, the, is it the idea they actually do a specific degree? I mean, I mean, what about just continuing education for another few years and you do you do a variety of topics rather than actually studying one, so that when you come out at the end, you are you're, you're a few years older, you've done a bit more critical analysis, you've you've thought things through a bit harder, and you've got a, a clearer idea about how you are going to contribute to your career at that point, rather than earmarking law, which in your case was a complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, look I, I studied geography which was always going to be a complete waste of time because uh, if i remember one of the questions in the in in my finals was uh, uh what use is geography to anybody and um <laughs> and, and and i what did you know, the, the, the john i john close write the
1: exam question
0: <laughs> it was something like that it's obviously worded in academia but i mean i was tempted to answer it with just two words good point uh but um the uh, but you know my career was all picked up on stuff i studied afterwards so i i did study you know i did have one of those bullshit jobs in that i was flogging broadband to people um but um you know, it's a bit more to it than that because it was, you know, I had to manage the EBIT. I had to do all the forecasting. I had to make sure we had the the right product lines that were going to make us competitive whilst also giving that return to shareholders and, you know, as managing people. So, you know, quite an involved job. Amazing that someone would give me a job like that. But actually, I was quite good at it as it turned out mm-hmm. and uh, helped the company get sold for hundreds of millions of, pa- uh, millions of dollars. But um, all of that came from Everything I did after university. So it came from my career up to that point. It came from, you know, I studied uh, chartered institute of marketing. I did a, a, a night school course, you know, to try and pick up my knowledge there. But actually, a lot of it was on the job. Like I inherited a whole load of product managers who seemed better at spreadsheets than I was. I thought, shit, I better get my act together on that because these people supposedly work for me. So I, you know, I learned on learned on the job, which has always been my approach. So my education at eighteen is less important, but so what you take is less important. So maybe we should be saying, well, you know, why have we got so many subjects and why do we specialize so much?
1: Yeah, I mean, in 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 that sense, uh, I mean, the, the the to me the important. Uh, Educations would be your own literature, English for those in England, obviously, France, for French for those in France. Um, you know, the sciences, mathematics, um, and system dynamics I'd be teaching at a very yeah, early yeah. age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but then, uh, and, and hope to equip people when they leave school itself uh, to be able to learn further themselves if they need to. And then the ones who wish to specialise, then you have university, you have uh uh, a technical college teaching uh, in machine tool skills, and you'd have a clerical uh, college teaching what's left of office skills. So that that is one area which is going to, with technology, potentially disappear over time. So. Um, but, but what we've actually got is so much great inflation. I mean, when you mentioned that 46% getting A's, I mean, there was some rule uh, which was actually imposed by the education department on the universities where a university had to explain why it had less than, I think, 70% of students getting honours results in an English university. And I, I remember uh, meeting a particularly nice guy but particularly useless uh, character Got in, got a part of my life back in uh, Australia when I worked in Overseas Aid, uh, who was very ha- proud of himself for having an honors degree from, in philosophy, from, I think from Cambridge. Now, when I got over to to you. Uh, a, an honors degree in Australia means you've got on the top five percent of the class in first year. You're invited to into an honors stream in second year, and then you do an extra year where you do a, a undergraduate. You get a thesis. Yeah, everyone's,
0: exactly, everyone's got an honors degree here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's the yeah. yeah.
1: Everybody gets an honors degree. You enrol in honors, and seventy percent of you come out with honors. Mm. I'm not a joke. So, mm. like, uh, consequently, I know uh, if somebody has an honors degree from a Scottish university, I take it seriously. Honors degree from from uh, from an English university yeah what else you got so what's the um, so
0: you, you haven't answered the question i asked about um the uh whether we should actually have vocational degrees or not what should what should happen you, you're saying yes it should be more elitist uh, so two questions uh if it is more elitist are you then going on to study uh something which is vocationally oriented and are we saying for everybody else where well, you've got to you've 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 got to go and do some other form of education whether it's an apprenticeship or whatever but does that mean therefore you are you're you're not going to work in the service sector you're going to work as a tradie i mean how which, these are all big decisions to be made at 18 which is why everyone holds off by going to study at university for a few years even if it's a subject that they're, they're going to make no use of whatsoever for the rest of their life
1: yeah i mean it's it's hard there's no to... It certainly isn't easy. I mean, I'm glad I'm pontificating at the age of 68 rather than back experiencing it when I was 18. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I, 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 I feel for the students that are being put through this system uh, because they're really the victims of it being so badly administered. And, <clears throat> pardon me, excessive expectations being put on what yeah. it's going to mean to have that piece of paper when you come out the other side. And... Uh, I mean, I'll give, I'll give one little anecdote, which it's again, uh, focusing just on what the income you're going to make out of something doesn't mean you're going to have a happy life. I, I bumped into a bunch of accounting students and like you know how much i, I trust and, and appreciate accounting these days having built minsky software so i have much more respect for accounting than i had when i went through at university but i bumped into this about half a dozen accounting students i know you at, knew at university at a, at a um a bucks night they were having at a, a restaurant in sydney and they asked me what i'd been doing and i mentioned my you know short time as a school teacher working in overseas aid then i did the um a conference with China, journalists in China and a couple of other things, and one of the groups said, I wish I'd done that. And there was silence, and I thought, hang on this. I said, listen, guys, look at all the downside. Like, I, as I'm not employed at the moment. I, have, I don't even have, I have a house, then a car, I haven't even got a girlfriend. You know, look on the downside of what I've done. And the, the kingpin of the group um, then said on the behalf of everybody there, Steve, we would all still rather have done what you have done. I thought, oh Jesus, how damn depressing! So you end up being defined by your job, and you don't like your job, yeah. and and that's one of the dilemmas that, that that will face people when they're focused on you know the age of eighteen is what's going to get me a retirement benefit when I'm sixty-five. Not a good way to live your life. So uh, it seems to be right at the beginning of this conversation, you
0: were basically saying, well, you know, we weren't getting the returns from 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 education. Uh, that wasn't what was driving uh, the the economy forward. Uh, and yet, you know, we do spend a, a lot of, a lot of money on it. So the uh, countries across the globe spend four and a half percent of government spending on education. It's a bit mm-hmm. higher in Germany at four, 4.9 in the US. It's five percent, 5.1 percent in Australia, the UK, 5.4 percent. Sweden, that egalitarian society, spends seven point six percent of government money on education. And that's up to, uh, up to and beyond 18. Uh, so, um, I mean, are you saying, well, th- th- we're not getting the return from that? We may as well not be spending that money. Or no, saying-
1: I want to spend more. I'd rather see more spent on education and more paid to school teachers as well and university lecturers for that matter. But where does it go uh, then? To- What's it, what,
0: how does it spend, spend what,
1: what you What you're creating is, is a polity. You're creating a, a, a community that can actually... Be not necessarily educated for jobs, but educating for being part of the community itself. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think partly the conspiracy theories and the and the the QAnons and all that sort of nonsense that's become so prominent is is because we've denigrated um, the the actual education experience for students all the way through. They go through a school and they're just basically going through the motion to get out of the damn system if you're not at the very top in terms of performance. And that, I think, is a large part of where the sense of disenfranchisement has come from. Uh, and we're treating them as inputs to a system, you know, effectively measuring them on their economic productivity, rather than saying we we would like to have an educated society for the sake of having a society that's educated Mm. and and not to then you know, if if you want to get educated, you end up being in debt. And so your focus education is not on learning about society or learning about the universe. It's about getting a good enough paying job. And then you are then biased in favour of wanting that credential inflation. And we get this ludicrous situation where, as I said, you know, 70% of students are supposed to get honours degrees at English universities. Uh, yeah. It's... I- it's, it's, it's a- I know when when I was at uni in
0: the final year, uh, companies did what were called the milk rounds. They go to universities and they try and get the best students uh, to join their companies, and they would put them on graduate programs. So, for example, at Mars. If you're going to be, uh, you know, work your way up the, the ranks of Mars, you had to work in all aspects of Mars. So that you know, you'd be working in in, in the in the sales and marketing department. You'd also be working in the factories. You'd be working in distribution, you'd be calling on uh, on on retailers, to, you know, to stock the goods. You, so the idea was, over a, over a year or two, you'd learn everything about the business. Uh, and that's where, you you know, you sort of learned on the job. It's almost like a, um, uh, you know, a, a scheme that uh, an apprentice scheme, really, for, uh, for mm. people, people in that profession. So we think of apprenticeships as always being, tech, you know, as being sort of hands hands on type jobs, uh, sort of semi skilled labor type jobs. But we could have apprenticeships for more, more uh, skilled uh, and academic-oriented jobs, couldn't we? But we, we we seem to have given up on that because we've left it for universities to do. I wonder whether the universities should do less of that and more of the let's just give you a good rounding, doesn't matter what you're studying, and try and encourage companies to go back to that way.
1: And I thought that was, again, uh, that's the bias that I have. I mean, again, I saw that. Um, in the um, law system I was educated in. So when I began doing my law degree, uh, if you wanted to become a practising lawyer, you had to go through a period of what they're called articles, which was a form of apprenticeship uh, in a in a legal firm. And you were paid, not particularly well, but you were paid as an article clerk and that you would have to do two years as an article clerk before you could then become... Uh, a qualified solicitor, and there was a similar thing becoming a barrister. Uh, but just at the end of my uh, degree, uh, they they introduced what they called skills course. And you go to this place uh, over in St. Leonard's, if you know that, in, a, in Sydney, yeah. uh, and spend six months of the year uh, in a mock uh, legal firm, t- taking on mock legal cases uh, where v- you'd be you know, suing other of your friends and that one of the other artificial firms and so on and that was where you learnt your your legal skills and after six months of that then you become a solicitor and I uh, you know it, it was probably cheaper for the for the law firms to go through that uh, but to me it was one step away from the hands-on experience of actually being in a law firm and I would rather see them as you were talking about learning on the job um, mm. than these you know uh, aggrandised you know, extensions of tertiary education. So if so, if, if, so. We,
0: if we abandon the idea then, oh, you can keep on your law degrees and economics degrees, I guess, for those people who, who, who want to do it. But for people who are undecided, I wonder why universities haven't cottoned onto the idea that maybe we could just merge together a whole group of subjects. For people who want to come out at the end with a more rounded education, I would have thought employers would be going... Yeah, we want those people because they've, you know, and and it could be stuff like systems dynamics together with art and literature, you know, so you come out Mm. the end, you know, a bit of Latin as well. So you can have a conversation (laughs) with Jacob Rees-Mogg, you know, do all of that. So you come out a more rounded person. I would have thought companies would be, you know, demanding people like that.
1: Well, I have to say that's probably the part of education that I most gained from because I, did a, I didn't do a law degree, I did an arts law degree. Mm. And the arts at that stage meant basically pick any subject you wish to do for three years. No. Um, so I, like I did, so I rolled in psychology, mathematics and economics. I wish I'd done more maths. I did one year of maths, in my undergrad. I did two years of psychology, the second year, in my opinion, being a waste of time. Um, but the fact that you could choose a portfolio like that um, was, an important part of you know who I ended up being, and I would like to see a, a, again that there was, was it was three years where you got a chance to direct your own education, having come over a school system but directed it for you and i 've got a feeling that would be a, a better uh, start for most people end up being educated citizens rather than educated employees and then where, where you get where you go in future depends upon your own talents and and the positions that are available but the, the extent to which it's become a credentializing system i think has demeaned the quality of university education and school education and if we focus on educating citizens rather than educating employers, I think we'd have a better world. But you still think that there's too many people going to university? You still think? Yeah, that's I do. I do. I mean, and a lot of that was just disguising youth unemployment. I mean, the, the expansion in university numbers began in the mid to late '70s. But it's better they had, go to
0: university than being unemployed. I mean, if, if you limit it, aren't they yeah, just going to find yeah. themselves back on uh, back unemployed? I mean, the numbers. I know these. The, the one, when you the, the, when you look the, 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 at the numbers of people who go to university who are, who are employed at the end of it versus those who don't, who are unemployed. I mean, obviously. Obviously, mm. uh, those figures are a bit self-determining, aren't they? Because, you mean know, they'll, they'll be more educated. Mm. People will be smarter who are going off to university, perhaps a little bit anyway, uh, compared to those who don't. And so that's why. So they've got a chance of getting a job, obviously, because they're a little bit smarter or they're more confident so they can interview better. All that sort of thing plays into it. It's not, so it's not just a case of they've gone to university Yeah, but not. the
1: trouble the is trouble, the, the expansion of the university was done while underfunding universities at the same time. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, again, my, my experience at university... Uh, I really arrived at the absolute peak period for the quality of university education, certainly in Australia, 1971. My first year tutorials in economics had 10 people and you'd have a really detailed conversation with one of your, own, your own colleagues and your, and your tutor. And then by the time I, I finished up at, uh, at, uh, at, uh, at, uh, at Kingston and also Western Sydney, there were 30 and 35 and 40 people in a tutorial. And the, uh, the and, and the, the pay for academics had gone down in the meantime. Hmm. So they were trying to squeeze more people through a less well-funded system, and everybody suffered as a result of that. And I think a large part of the angst comes out of that. If you're going to you know, have a a university system with a large number of people you funded as as well as you did for a small number and that is not was not done and that's a large part i think of the denigration of education over the last 40 years all right
0: here's a the plan then see what you think of this because uh, i like to end with a with a solution what about you uh-huh. from 16 to 18 you do your a levels in this country what if you did your a levels from 16 to 20 and uh, you could come, you know, the longer you stay, the more A-levels you do. So maybe you do exams after a couple of years. If you're really smart, you could leave at 18 and go to university. If you're not uh, to that standard, because it would be harder to get into university, you just do another couple of years of A-levels. So you come out with, you know, more qualifications and having a, a couple uh, extended your education life by, by a couple of years. What about that for a solution? I don't care what you think. I think it's a brilliant
1: idea. So, <laughs> on that note, we'll finish. Thanks very much, Phil. You're you, you most we'll, welcome. We'll talk to you next week.
0: <laughs> oh, there we are. They were turning the roles, aren't we? Uh, good to talk, Steve. We'll catch you again. So, look, next week, by the way, I want to go and revisit uh, where we were last week, talking about minerals and yeah. uh, the shortage and what will happen if we do see sort of a rampant inflation of our, you know, the core resources we need to survive as a society. Uh, how is that going to play out? I want to look at that next week. So we'll do that then. Good to talk, Steve. Okay. Let us know what you think too in the comments uh, underneath this podcast. Uh, Where is the education sector going wrong? See you next week. Thanks for listening today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage
1: is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.